You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, Cypher Christian Church. Glad to have you today. We are thankful that you're here. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, we're excited to, to come together today and worship our Lord and give thanks for all he has done in our lives. My name is Kevin Gallimore, and if you don't know me, I'm the community pastor here at Cypher Christian Church. I want to welcome you if you're a guest, and this is the first time that you're attending with us. Thank you for being here. We have a special gift for you out in the foyer. Uh, we have a big desk that's right behind that wall there. And uh, if you take one of those connection cards that are in the back of the pew and fill it out and drop it off at that that desk out there, we have a free gift for you, just as a token of our appreciation for you being here today. Uh, we're actually uh, doing something special today. We're kicking off the signups for our life groups. Our life groups are, are that's what we call our small groups here at Cypher Christian Church. We believe that, that uh, we can worship together in large groups, but we can't really build connections with one another in large groups. That really happens best in these smaller environments. And we call those life groups here at CFCC. And we do this where these life groups meet for 10 to 12 weeks at a time. And then they end and then we take a break and then we start them up again. This gives you an opportunity to to go and and try out different groups and, and meet different people. And so we have a list of our life groups that we're launching here for the summer session. They're going to be meeting for this eight to 10 weeks and um, out there in the foyer. And I believe in your bulletin as well, you have a list of all of them. We have 14 life groups that are going to be happening this summer. Now, what's special about this summer is we've also added some interest groups. So there's not just Bible studies listed on here, but there's some interest groups. So there's a basketball group. There is a knitting and Bible study group. There's a painting group. And there's also a group for new folks to CFCC. If you're just new here, you're just trying it out. You're, you're a new member. We have something called the supper club for you. And there's a limited space in this group, but this is going to be a group where people come together in a home. They cook a meal together, chopping vegetables, you know, cooking things and preparing things. And then they, they get together, they eat the meal together, they play games together. And there's a, there's a short devotion sort of centered around of the table. So it's a really fun way to get introduced to new folks. And this is if you're new to Cypher Christian Church, a great way to get plugged in. So there's a couple of ways that you can sign up for these groups, okay? You can go out to the table out there and all of the, there's a larger version of the list that's in your bulletin. You can ask some questions out there. Susan Grooms is going to be out there. She's leading the painting group if you want to sign up for her painting group. Uh, but you can also go online at cfccnet.org and sign up there, or you can go on our mobile app. If you have our mobile mobile app, just pull it out and click the button that says sign up, and it'll say life group sign up summer session, and you can choose your group and sign up right there online. You don't even have to talk to anybody. You don't have to interact with people, okay? If you're totally antisocial, you can do it on the app and not even have to talk to anybody. Um, but this is a great opportunity for you to get plugged in to, to Cypher Christian Church and really begin to grow spiritually and grow, sort of grow roots here in the community at CFCC. So uh, make sure you t- sign up. We're going to be doing this for the next couple of weeks, and then our life groups are going to start in June, okay? So you want to make sure you sign up soon. 
All right, well, thank you again for being here and putting up with me talking and rambling. I'm gonna have you stand up and I'm gonna invite Barry to come and give our call to worship. Well, this is the day. Is this the day? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice today, shall we? How many moms do we have in this room? Raise your hand if you're a mom. How many in this room have a mom? Let me repeat that because I didn't see everybody's hand go up. (laughs) I think you're in trouble. (laughs) Okay, well, what a great day, beautiful day. I'm going to just read a short scripture in Proverbs. It's uh, 31.10, and it uh, addresses wives and addresses moms. Just listen to this. And, you know, not all these things apply to one woman, but something applies to a woman. So just listen to uh, Proverbs here. Proverbs 31.10. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband is faithful in her lack and her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark, and she provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, it doesn't snow here, does it? But when it does snow, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed and she's clothed with fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Well, thanks, ladies. We all have moms, and we can all reflect on our moms and think about our moms. And uh, if you're a mother here, uh, you're blessed as well. So as we start our service, let me just uh, open up in prayer. (laughs) Yeah, Father, thank you for this day, and we uh, thank you that we can come and safely uh, worship and praise you in a land of freedom. Uh, That we know the true and living God, that Jesus is the true and living God that uh, we have uh, 
eternal life through Jesus, through the, through the blood of Christ. So we pray for the moms today. We pray for our service today and just uh, bless the time we have together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Morning, everyone. Um, so there is a, uh, an announcement I'd like to make is that we've got a great life group and uh, a stout, beautiful couple that uh, they're in our life group. Uh, Palmer's, Mr. Palmer's sitting over there, uh, has had a baby last Monday. Baby Eliana, am I saying that correctly? Eliana. Eliana, your sister. Congratulations. So that's marvellous. That is a praise. And I, sp- I spoke to them on uh, last Sunday and um, she looked contentedly, well, I say that, I was going to say contentedly pregnant, but uh, at, at 40 weeks or so, that's probably not the case. But anyway, quick message came out on Monday, baby's born. Fantastic. Praise the Lord. So um, that is a praise. When we come into church, though, uh, for me, I, I can speak for myself, we, we t- you know, throughout the week we get burdened. Uh, with this and that fill in the blank for yourselves so I think in here this week somebody's been sick somebody's been stressed one way or the other financially someone's had an accident fender bender whatever we come in through the doors here to a place where we can um, enjoy worship and worshipping of a holy God and he has got our back in Psalms in Psalm um, 35 verse 7 8, 9, 10 the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them oh taste and see that the Lord is good how blessed is the man that takes refuge in him oh fear the Lord you his saints that's us For to those who fear him, and fear is not, as you know, not running blindly through the forest away from something that's terrible in your worst dreams, respect, awe, and submission, fear of the Lord. For those who fear him, there is no want. Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Um, a good friend of mine said that we should make no apologies as leaders standing in front of the church at you know, t- the time of offering. And that's true and that's good. This is an opportunity to give, and, but not for the sake of giving. It's for the sake of, um, as directed in the, in the word. And the Lord wants to give us. I think he knows us so well that the act of giving is, uh, is something he totally approves of and will bless you with. So would you bow your heads and pray with me as we go forward into, into this time of giving? Lord Jesus, there are, there are so many ways in which we can give and we don't always remember to do that, Lord. We thank you for the way in which your word drives us and encourages us to know you better and to take strength from you, Jesus. So we pray in this time that you open our hearts, that you open our hearts, Father. Um, Make us stronger in our walk with you, that we would understand your way for our lives, 
that you would make our path straight and that you would allow us to open ourselves to the opportunity to give out into the community, into our church locally and other ways that we are strong in our witness for you, Father. I pray for strength for this, this congregation as we go out this week, that our burdens would be lightened, Father, that you speak to us and uh, that we in turn recognize your, your voice for us and that we act on it and that we take peace from it and that we rejoice in the name of Jesus. Amen. Paul writes um, that God demonstrates his love to us uh, in that while we were yet sinners, we were choosing our way over God's way, um, Christ died for us. You know, today um, we've said a lot already about moms and um, one of my favorite passages in the Psalms is, as a mother comforts her children, as a mother comforts her children, so the Lord comforts those who fear him. You know, there's something special about a mother's love. Um, there's something special about the comfort that only a mother can give. Jennifer and I were talking about that this week, and, and um, Jennifer is the most important woman in my life and has been for a long time. A mother died three years ago um, this past week, and we were talking. Uh, it's one thing um, to say most important. It is a little different thing to say um, that the woman who invested laid the foundation of my life. It's not my wife, but my mom. Apart from my mother's love, I might not would have ever really understood God's love. Her, she was imperfect, right? As all of the mothers in this room are imperfect, but she modeled love. The closest thing on earth I've seen to unconditional love. And that laid the foundation uh, in my life to understand God's love. As a mother comforts her children, so I, the Lord, Comfort those uh, who fear me. I ask that we prepare our hearts for communion today. That we prepare our hearts to come to this table of grace. I, I want to invite every person in the room who is a follower of Jesus. Who at some point in their life, you've crossed over from death to life. You've crossed over from not being the people of God to being the people of God. You've crossed over from a person who had not experienced the mercy of God to a person who has experienced and knows the mercy of God. What does examining our hearts mean? It means to acknowledge to God those things in our life that we have been involved in where we've chosen our way over God's way. You know, there's a word for that. It's called sin, right? We rebel, we do wrong, and we confess. It's a great opportunity as we walk forward, as we prepare for communion to confess. You might want to pray with a prayer partner. Our prayer partners will be here as well. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts. Father, we thank you for this table of grace. Father, we thank you for this unique picture of your love. 
that you love us, you comfort us as a mother comforts her children. Father, we thank you for a mother's love, imperfect and perfect though it is. Uh, Father, we thank you for that unconditional, that picture of that unconditional love on this earth. Father, you've demonstrated your love to us. You've sent your son. Jesus became a servant. He left heaven's throne to become a servant, to lay down his life willingly. We celebrate his body that was broken, that hung on a cruel cross. We celebrate his blood that was shed that we might be washed and be made white as snow. A sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice that only he could give. Forgive us for our rebellion. Forgive us for being so hard-headed and choosing our way over your way again and again. We celebrate grace today in Jesus' name, amen. If you've um, not been with us, as you take communion, you'll be given a piece of bread. Um, This is Christ's body broken for you. And then you will have a cup in front of you. This is Christ's blood shed for you. I'm going to ask our servers to prepare to serve communion. And as you partake, thank God uh, for his grace. Won't you come now? Father, we thank you that you are indeed good. Jesus, we thank you that you are indeed good. Our comforter, our counselor, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are indeed good. Father, you're faithful. You surprise us. You are present when we think you're absent. Father, you are good. Father, speak to us through your word today. Teach us. Uh, Father, help us to relax. Help us to hear. Help us to lean into your truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to see each and every one of you here today. If you have a Bible, uh, if you would turn in it to the book of 1 Chronicles, the book of 1 Chronicles. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love to give you a gift today. Just look in front of you in the pew and you will find a Bible and we'd love for you just to take it home with you. It is the the translation that we teach every Sunday. So if you'd just like to have uh, one of those copies, we'd love for you um, to have that. Maybe you just want to follow along on the screen. Uh, whatever you would like to do. Uh, we, we believe that God's word does speak into our lives. We believe it's living, um, that God is alive um, in his word. Um, today, we're going to continue the, the series, Balanced. Uh, balanced. And, and, you know, as I, I know this is the first time in my life that I've ever taught a message involving finances on Mother's Day, right? 
so moms, just, just, just go with it, okay? Uh, I pri- Would you agree I hammered the men last week when it came to hunting, right? I mean, I nailed them. And so, come on now, give me a little credit. Uh, I am an equal opportunity offender though. So, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes, but I'll get them again. So just give me a chance. Uh, we said that uh, in God's word, there's at least 2,000, there's actually over 2,000 references to our material possessions, um, to what God has blessed us with. And that over and over again, the emphasis, yes, it is on giving in many places, but Jesus actually talked about um, this investment, this management of our resources more than he did heaven and hell combined. So it must be a significant matter, all right? And so we said that there are some natural laws of balance that directly correlate Um, to financial laws, all right? To laws involving our personal finance. If you're a guest today, don't withdraw, okay? Uh, Forgive me, all right? But I have to pull out a little prop again. And and, you know, if anything should make you laugh a little, I mean, and, and take it easy in regard to finances, this right here should do it. Should it not? Should it not? All right. So here we have, uh, we want to look at um, these laws of physical balance for a moment. All right. If I'm going to balance this, it hit me in the head last week. If I'm going to balance this, you know, I would be advised not to stand here and look at you. Right. I would be advised to maintain a reference point, would I not, right? And and so if I'm going to cross a creek, I'm going to look at where I'm going. If I am an athlete, I'm going to fix my focus on something in front of me. In particular, if I'm in competitive cheer or if I'm, it's okay guys. If I'm a gymnast, did you see though, I have to maintain a reference point. Did I make my point? All right. So you you have to do that. And the second thing is establish a clear objective. By the way, um, last week, maintain a reference point. I know I hate telling Sue Floyd. I mean, Sue is my elder, right, Sue? But I told Sue and I tell everybody, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you need to be knowing where your money's going, all right? If you have lots of money, you need to be knowing where your money's going. If you have a little bit of money, you need to be knowing where your money's going. And guys, I'm telling you, that's a spiritual matter. You say, Dale, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. You can't invest that which you don't know that's going out, right? You ask your financial advisor, could you tell me what accounts, where my money is right now? And he says, you know, I'm not sure. Now that inspires confidence, right? (laughs) If I ask you, do you know where your money's going every week? And you say, well, I'm not sure, That's kind of a problem when it comes to living a balanced life. The second thing is establish a clear objective. Now, what is my objective right now? 
other than not hitting someone in the head. All right, what's my objective? What? Nope, that's not my objective. There's a simpler objective. I want to keep the pole upright and straight. Okay? So we said many things. You know, your objective, if you're walking a log, my daughter and I was just talking about that, going to Colorado um, in June, early July, and I will be crossing some streams and there will not always be bridges. There will be logs. Now, she doesn't believe I'm going to fall, but she said, unbuckle your backpack. It's, it's a safety measure. You don't want your backpack taking you underwater. All right? It's a real deal, is it not? Especially my granddaughter who'll be walking the log with me. So my objective is to get across the log. Now, just to make this very quick, if you see someone in a parking lot with two police cars by them and they're walking a line in front of them, and they're having to do this to walk the line, they might as well just get in the police car, all right? Their objective is to walk a straight line. Competitive cheer, gymnastics. Your, your objective is to finish whatever event you're in, but you also want to finish safely, all right? Establish a clear objective. The whole message today is what is the one the one key objective. So this is the question. What should be the one clear objective? And there is one when it comes to my personal finances. What is it? What is it? Well, just wait. Was that Robin? Okay, who was that? All right, all right, Nancy. We'll come back to you, Nancy. (laughs) The third thing is to make constant corrections. That's what my hand's doing. And throughout the series from this day forward, man, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? We will be making, I will show you the constant corrections you must make in your personal finances. And that's that and that's all kinds of things. All right? All right. So let's look at a few very quickly. Main objectives that some people set in their personal finances. Provide for your family. That's a good objective, is it not? I think if you have a family, they want you to provide for them. Right, Bob? Right? I mean, that is just a fact in life. But I'm going to tell you that's not the main objective. A second thing, save money. Save and save and save. If you were raised and... and You would be elderly. My father's 91. He was in the depression. For a long time, he didn't like sweet potatoes because he took a sweet potato in a can to school. And that's what they ate. All right? So you save and save and save. Maybe there's a third objective. And, um, you know, this one is um, just being blunt. Your goal is to make much money as you can. That is your goal. So you look for a lucrative job where you can make as much money as you can, but that's not the best objective in your life. 
for your life. Spin, 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 spin. You know, you can't take it with you. You've never seen a trailer behind a hearse. Might as well spend, have fun, become financially free. It's a good objective, but it does not provide a compass, compass, moral boundaries in our life. So what should be the main objective? I could go on and on about all these things. I love Dave Ramsey. I really do. My wife likes Dave Ramsey. That doesn't mean we always follow Dave Ramsey. But I sit and listen to the radio sometimes and I listen to them. I, I learn from him. And I love when someone is on his program and and they say, we were this much in debt and now we're totally out of debt. And he says, all right, all right, here's your chance. And you think you're watching Braveheart and they say, freedom. They do. I want to say freedom someday. You know, the problem though with savers and And financially free people is sometimes their family members feel like they're taking out a mortgage loan to get money out of the spouse who is pursuing these financial goals. Did you hear me? You can be a saver and be stingy. You can be a spender. You have lots of money. You don't even have to keep up with it and be a waster. You can be a financially free pursuer or be financially free and not bring glory to God. You can take care of your family as good as anyone you know and not teach them what giving is really about. What should be the main objective in my personal finances. Now, in a message like this, we need a little humor, right? So we talked about hunting last week. Ladies, some of your hobby is shopping. You love to shop. You're stressed out, so you go to the mall or, or you go to the, what's that thing, outlet mall, and you shop. Don't look puzzled, Kara. I know some of y'all do. Some of you ladies are going, hmm, what is he talking about? You know, you're, you're looking to the left as you're walking down the aisle, and you're looking to the right, and, and um, you're, you see something, and you know you're just relaxing. You don't need anything. But man, once you see that thing that you don't have, you man, I need that. And so you spend money. Sometimes you don't have to buy something you don't need to impress people you don't even like. (laughs) And then Ray Sala, of course, he goes to the big orange store. You know, that men's store. Got to talk to him, right, Kathy? Equal opportunity offender. He just did that to me. (laughs) So you go in the store to buy one lag bolt. You're in a project. 
you know, you just want to finish it up. You want to get it done. And, and then $380 later, you've purchased a tool you didn't know existed to help you with that project during the summer. Am I joking? So I just want to make it clear You know, and it's so funny. And I told you this and I confess it. You see, my priorities aren't Jennifer's priorities and Jennifer's priorities aren't my priorities when it comes to spending. So I justify my expenses. She justifies her expenses and that can cause tension in the relationship. So what should be? That is the question. What should be the one clear objective when it comes to my personal finances? Let's look at God's word. We're going to focus in on a man by the name of David. He lived one in 1000 BC, king of Israel. He brought the nation together. We find him right now at a time of peace, a time of prosperity, Israel was envied by the nations around them. David has been a conquering king. He's no longer running from Saul or running from his own son who was conspiring against him. Was he a perfect man? No. He had a heart after God and he was an adulterer. So regardless of where you are today, we should be able to relate to David because we all choose our way over God's way. And if you have the Holy Spirit living within you, there is a want to in you that you didn't have prior to knowing Jesus. So here's David's want to. Now, when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan, the prophet, verse one, chapter 17. Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. You see, David's thinking to himself, look at how God has blessed me as king. Look at how God has blessed our people. Look at all that God has done, Nathan. I live in this incredible house for the king, but God comes and goes to a tent, a tabernacle. And the Ark of the Covenant that represents so many things in the kingdom of Israel, right? It is in a tent right there in the Holy of Holies. It contains the the laws of Moses. Some include the Ten Commandments. Some only include the Ten Commandments. Some include all the law of Moses. It really doesn't matter. God's word that he spoke to Moses. The staff of Aaron, golden vessel with manna in it, all symbolic of God's presence and his purpose. But you see, from time to time, God's presence would fall upon the Holy of Holies. The priest actually had to wear bells on their gowns because if they were unholy, God would strike them dead when they came into his presence. I'm thankful we approach God through Christ's righteousness 
and are shed by, are covered by the blood of Jesus, or we would be struck dead if we encountered the Shekinah glory of God. David's desire was really, was really good. Let's turn to 1 Chronicles 22. Verse six, then he, David, called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of my, uh, excuse me, to the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Very interesting what happens here. So David desires something deeply in his heart. And God says, no. God ever told you no? He's told me no before. You have a a choice. You can get real bitter when God tells you no. David could have been bitter. He's king. He is king. He is the one from a young man took out Goliath. He's king. He could have got mad at God a long time ago. Look at the Psalms, his heartache, his praise, his heartache, his praise, his heartache, his praise. But no, he doesn't get bitter. He lives out his vision for the temple through his son, Solomon. And he says, Solomon, I'm going to provide riches for you um, that you will spend and use in building the temple. I'm also going to um, provide the craftsmen and the architects to build the temple. I'm going to do everything I can to help you succeed. So you look a little further and it tells you the mounts and just Listen, 100,000 talents of gold, one talent and 75 pounds. Based on what gold was going for on Friday, that is $157,812,000,000 in gold that David gave from the national treasury. You see, they've beat up all their enemies and they take what the enemies have, and so Israel is incredibly rich. He gives, there is a debate about chapter 22 and chapter 29, and if the figures are wrong, I believe 22 is the national treasury and 29 is David's personal resources. 19 billion, 520 million in silver was given. Not to mention iron and bronze that the Bible says could not be numbered. So then in chapter 29, if you would turn there with me now, you will see in the early part of the chapter, we're going to look in verse 10 in just a moment, but you see amounts that are given and you see that 3,000 talents of gold are given, 4,734,000,000. And by the way, it's the best gold. This is from David's store. 
7,000 talents, I believe, of silver given, 138 million in silver, in the best of silver. And then he calls on the people and he asks them to give in regard to the construction of the temple. But here's a key point, guys. It doesn't answer our question, but it's a key point. The people didn't give for the temple. You read it. They didn't give for the temple. They gave to and for their, tell me? Nope. Who? Nope. Who? Their God. They gave to the Lord. You see, I'm convinced that David was giving to the Lord. He had a heart to build a temple, but you see, a temple is not a good end in itself. A church is not a good end in itself. Obeying the word that your pastor, maybe you feel like has twisted your arm behind your back is not a good motivation to give. When we give to the Lord, it changes our perspective on giving. Look at what David says in a prayer. It is one of the most powerful passages on giving in the entire Bible. It's not focused on tithing. It's not focused on what Jesus said. It's focused on a man after God's own heart who gave all to the Lord. Verse 10, therefore David blessed the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. He praised the Lord in the presence of all the people. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. These next words sound just like Jesus. Look and see. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Who is David? The king. You're exalted over me. Oh, the power I've experienced is not my power, it's your power. The majesty that I've experienced as king is not my majesty, it's your majesty. Oh, I'm not making it up, folks. Yours, oh Lord, is the greatness. No, it's not my greatness, it's your greatness and the power and the glory. It's not my victory against the enemies, it's your victory. Am I making this up? It's right there in front of you. So you are above all things, God, and everything in heaven and earth is yours. It's yours. That's what David says. We keep reading. Verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. So God is exalted above everything. Everything comes is God's and now comes from God. There are many very successful, respected, highly esteemed businessmen, supervisors, craftsmen in this room right now, this moment. 
Some of you take credit for everything that has happened in your life. And some of you are wiser than that. And you give God credit. There's a huge difference. David gave God credit. He did not take credit. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand, God, are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. What if tomorrow you lost, lost your physical health? Would life be the same for you? What if tomorrow you own your own company and you find out that someone's been embezzling from you and, and I don't know what this means exactly, but I'm gonna say it in these terms. Your company's not insured maybe properly. You had total trust and you just lost everything. And in fact, you're liable to contractors and other people because you owe them money and you have no money. Are you responsible for everything? If you're a hard nose and take credit for everything, then you say, yes, I am. But you see, good things and bad things happen to all of us in life. And nothing is wasted in God's economy. He wants to teach us. Now listen to this strange verse. But who am I and what is my people? Now again, I don't want to be ridiculous, but who am I? I'm the king. I'm the most powerful man in my sphere of influence. People bow before me. People are afraid of me. People are impressed with me. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? How do we even have this privileged God of giving you these billions of dollars? I had a millionaire in the second church I pastored and he wanted to throw around his millions and this was in a small church and he had thrown around his millions for some time and he insisted to be on influential teams, even though he had not modeled leadership nor servant leadership in the body. And we told him no, and he took his toys and went home and never came back. It's one of the greatest things that ever happened to the church. Because we were no longer dependent on one man. We were saying we depend on God and we're going to honor him in everything we do. For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. Beautiful passage, is it not? It's an incredible passage. I'm sure David's mighty men, I don't know if you've heard of them, but he was a warrior and he had an inner circle that were loyal to him. I'm sure some of them were scratching his head at their heads and saying, but David, everything power, majesty, victory. I've seen you. 
I've seen you slave. I've seen you struggle. I've seen you win. I've seen you hiding in a cave. I've seen you betrayed. Really? The Lord? Who am I? And who are my people? That we have the privilege to offer willingly to build a temple for our God. What is, back to the whole question, the main question, what should be the one clear objective when it comes to my personal finances? Honor God. Pure and simple. Honor God, honor God, honor God. It's simple. Really, that should be the theme of our whole life. I was talking to a friend, owns his own business, very successful. And we were talking about land to live on someday um, when we retire. We used to want to have a commune, but we'd both kill each other. So we decided against that, right? But we were talking about it and, and I thought he was kind of going awry. I thought he was kind of losing it. And, and he finally said though, he said, you know, the determining factor for our decisions as we get older is does it honor God? And I thought, he gets it. That's what I'm teaching on Sunday. He gets it. Thank you, Nancy, for almost ruining my message. (laughs) She's reading my notes. It's ridiculous. Elbow her, Claire. Don't let her do that to me. It's ridiculous. So there is a simple thing we do to honor God with our giving. This message is not on that, but just just go with me a moment. It's called tithing. I've had many people over my life, I love it, I've pastored most of my life, more than I've not. And um, so I will teach on tithing and someone say, Dale, can I talk to you? Sure, you can talk to me. You know, tithing's not in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus kind of um, talks against it in some ways. It's an Old Testament thing. I have never once in all my life had someone argue or tell me, I, you know, tithing's not enough, Dale. I want to give more than that. Now you tell me, did the people of the Old Testament in like Malachi, you're robbing God, that's what he told the people. Did they have more reason to give or do I have more reason to give? You say, I live this side of the cross. I live this side of the one who came and served us through a broken body, who shed his blood. You see, if you make a dollar, you give 10 cents. If you make $10, you give a dollar. If you make $100, you give $10. If you make $1,000, you give $100. If you make $10,000, you give $1,000. Whoa, that's too much money, Dale. Well, I tell you, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I'll pray for you that God will take your income down until you're comfortable enough to tithe. Deal? Deal? You see, guys, Money is not what a lot of people say. It's not something you should run from in church. 
It's one of the most dominating things in our lives. You got to talk about it. You have to laugh about it, right? I love talking about stewardship because I know God doesn't want something from you. God wants something for you. And one of the greatest blessings of your life is when you will stop saying, mine, mine, mine. You know, some tithers, you know, I gave God his 10%. Now God stopped bugging me. I know not many people tithe. I'm in an elite crowd. I'll do what I want to with my 90%. Now that's what David said, right? Is that what David said? No, he said, everything I have comes from you. See, our church would never have another financial problem if we sought to honor God with everything we have. Never, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. And by the way, the more stuff you have, the more money you have, the more stress you're under if you think it's mine, mine, mine. You know, if God wanted to, you know, you're saying, well, I'm afraid if I say it's his, 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 he might take it. If God wanted your stuff, he would have took it a long time ago. He's God. He, he wants something for you. John three sixteen. does he not want something for you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son only begotten son, one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God wants you to have freedom. God wants you to experience life. God wants something for you. What should, what should be the one clear objective when it comes to my personal finances? Honor God. I've gone a little long today on Mother's Day. That's almost as bad as going long on Easter. But this is the fun message when it comes to giving. It's not a difficult message. So I challenge you to pray these words. You see it on the screen. God, show me how I can honor you with everything I have. God, show me how I can honor you with everything I have. Guys, don't get wacky on me here. Might God tell you to sell your art collection because it's the treasure of your life and and Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He might. Or my gun collection, right? Or my coin collection. Alec, my son-in-law and I went to a gun shop yesterday and I'd never had an STI an STI 1911 pistol in my hand. And it's one of the smoothest, (laughs) it was, triggers I've ever pulled. It's produced in a one-alt factory. That means one craftsman has built that pistol, machined that pistol, Tune that pistol from start to finish. But you see, if I'm not careful, I want it for my birthday. <laughs> but if I'm not careful, I might treasure that more than I treasure Jesus. 
And you know who loses? It's not Jesus. I lose. I lose. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your unconditional love. I thank you that it is not just a neat saying. It is true. You do not want something from us. You want something for us. You want us to honor you in our personal finances. You want us to come to the point where we realize everything we are and everything we have comes from you. Father, may we obey as you draw us, as we take baby steps and sometimes mammoth steps. May we obey you and live in the freedom we were created to live in. Father, I love you. And I thank you for not hiding from me your truth, but pouring it out in my life. I am blessed, blessed beyond measure. I don't deserve it. Thank you for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. We have prayer partners that will be up front. They would love to pray for you. You see, honoring God, please. It's not, money's not the first thing. It just happens to be the series we're in. Honoring God is about our life. It's about being a parent. It's about being a spouse. It's about being a leader at work, a leader at church, a worker in your workplace. Do you honor God as a neighbor? It's about all these things. Let's stand and let's worship our King. Lord we come to you this morning and as hard as it is we acknowledge that our lives are yours we are not our own that we were purchased at a price and we owe it all to Jesus may Jesus be our vision may be ever in front of us ever before our eyes ever present in our thoughts ever present in our decisions ever present in our praise God we thank you for all that you've given us may we live lives in response to that in gratitude and honor you with it all you're worthy God we praise you in Jesus name Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you guys next week.